I begin with the disclaimer. It is rare that I have an original thought in my head. So all that I'll share today has been gleaned from Franciscan writers Father Zachary Hayes and Sister Ilya Delio from Washington, D.C. Included also is the work of Sister Mary Beth Ingham, a sister of St. Joseph. Most people in the world believe in God, and most religions help direct their members to seek and serve this God according to their beliefs. Christianity is the only faith in which this God comes as one of us to seek us out and share in our life. We named that coming 2,000 years ago Incarnation. But would it surprise you to know that our understanding of this incarnational event has evolved throughout the centuries? Did you know that some scholars today consider another event as the first incarnation? So grab your cup of coffee or whatever else you like to brew and let's dig deeper into this mystery. The word incarnation is rooted in the Latin carnus, meaning in physical flesh. In Hebrew, flesh means more than just a physical body, but embraces all that it means to be limited, weak, dependent, evolving, and mortal. God as spirit enters the physical world and embraces all that is not divine, as if to experience creation from the inside out. Desiring to share our life, God comes in a way that we can understand through our senses, what we see and hear, taste and touch and sense. Did you know that St. Francis was the very first person to channel our human senses on the Incarnation? It was December 1223, a very cold time of year in Assisi. Before this, people heard the Nativity story at Mass, told in Latin, a language most common folks didn't understand. Francis decided to incarnate to put flesh on the Incarnation in order to make it visible and accessible to ordinary people. He happened to be in Brescia at the time. Borrowing some animals and hay from a friend, Francis proceeded to set up a scene in a nearby cave that captured the reality of Jesus' birth. There was a Mary and a Joseph but Jesus was a wax figure. And nearby shepherds watched over their sheep. This scene helped people visualize what it would have been like at that first Christmas. They saw the poverty and humility of the divine birth. They could hear the animals and smell the hay. The sound of song and praise filled the forest air as if angels again filled the skies. So well loved was his first live nativity 
It continues today in every part of the world. God becomes flesh, and through our senses, we come to know him. It's clear that God's desire to enter into carnation was there from the threshold of time. As John states, in the beginning was the word. Some people today speak of creation as the first incarnation. God opened the door, so to speak, of the Trinity, out of which flowed divine life, light, and love. This Big Bang act of God initiated creation, which began to expose and express this divine life. That which is spirit is now found in the physical reality of creation. This unknowable God becomes accessible through our senses. The beauty of a sunset, the wonder of a rainbow, the delight in the playfulness of puppies, the miracle of a newborn baby, the gentle sound of rain, and the powerful sound of thunder, the simplicity of a daisy, the vastness of the heavens, and even the tiniest of microscopic life. Everything bears the fingerprint of God and is plugged into what I call the divine grid. Think of a coffee pot. What makes it work is not part of the thing itself. It achieves its purpose only when plugged into an outside source of energy and power, which then flows through it. So too with all of creation, every blade of grass, flower, and tree, every creature, big and small, Yes, even those annoying mosquitoes. Everything on earth and in the heavens is sustained by the life of God flowing through that physical reality. The divine life in us is shared throughout all of creation. St. Francis understood this, referring to creation as brother and sister. God created and saw that it was good. No wonder in his gospel John writes, and God so loved the world. How do you experience God in creation? Do you see God's goodness and love in your own life? How can you affirm God's goodness and life in others? Plugged into the divine grid, does this change your relationship with the created world? The fullness of God's revelation is, of course, Christ, the incarnate Word, both fully human and fully divine. Because God comes in a way we can understand, the incarnation is proof that God desires to be known, to be part of, and to belong to everything in the created order. And don't we, as human creatures, share that same impulse? We too want to be known, recognized, to belong to and be part of something beyond ourselves. There is a beautiful mutual exchange here. 
Christ desires to be known personally by each person and desires to know each person personally. For our part, we too desire to know Jesus personally and want to be known personally by him. But every relationship needs both sides to show up. God will always knock at our door and then wait for us to open. Where in your life is God still waiting at the door? How can you carve out God time when life is so hectic and stressful? Christ not only reflects the fullness of God, but the fullness of what it means to be human since we are created in Christ's image. St. Bonaventure says that we, at our very best, look like Christ. Our purpose, our full potential, and the very meaning of our life is to become like Christ. In his words and actions, values, priorities, and attitudes. The question is, how can I become what I do not know? There is a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Where are you in your relationship with Christ? What can support your journey? To what extent is the meaning and purpose of your life connected with Christ? And how does this show? The best way to understand incarnation is that it is an ongoing process. It's God's dynamic activity in the universe. It's how God loves the world. Not only about descending into humanity, but it's about God lifting up humanity and all creation towards himself. Some call this lifting evolution. Rather than a one-time event 2,000 years ago, God continues to be Emmanuel, making a home and creation with, in, and among us. What God started in creation and fully revealed and expressed in Christ, God expands and deepens in us today, making us part of his presence in the world. Choosing as his home the human heart, Christ expresses and reveals the beauty of the divine heart through us and through creation. Beyond broadening our understanding of the Incarnation, did you know that over the centuries views shifted about the very reason and purpose of Christ's coming? Traditionally, it was God's response to sin committed by the first humans. God needed restitution. An act of disobedience demanded an act of satisfaction. Jesus had to come to make amends. This reduces God's greatest gift of self to an event caused by sin. O oh, happy fault, O oh, necessary sin, 
we hear in the Easter proclamation. A 13th century Franciscan theologian, Don Duff Scotus, asked the big question, if humans had not sinned, would God still have come? His answer was a resounding yes, thereby shaping our understanding today. God's original intent before sin occurred was the incarnation. In fact, it is the very reason for the existence of creation itself. God entered into our humanity out of love wanting to be known by sharing his divine life. Rather than sin-centered in human action, it is love-centered in divine action, which initiated creation, became personalized and fulfilled in Christ. His message, we are love. We are worth loving and we ourselves are capable of loving. God's greatest gift of self is freely given and not contingent on human sin. Is this a new insight for you? Does this awareness deepen your understanding of God and of yourself? What do we learn from all this? What surprises us? Sister Mary Beth names three things. First, small things reveal the divine presence. Mary, a teenager with no social status, is greeted by the angel, a highly favored one. Mary herself confesses in her Magnificat that it was her littleness that caught God's eye. Jesus invites us to consider the lilies of the fields, the birds of the air. The kingdom is like a mustard seed and yeast. A butterfly unpacks the Paschal mystery. Small things, often hidden things, reveal the divine presence. Where might the divine presence be hidden in your life? in others. Second, God calls the unexpected, those who we won't choose. Tax collectors and sinners, think of Matthew. The outcasts, Zacchaeus. The outsiders, the Samaritan woman. God's choices often surprise us. When have you experienced God's call in your life? How does being chosen shape how you live your life? Third, God's power is used to seek out and serve the broken and the wounded. Jesus asks a blind beggar, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Look at the emotions in the story of raising Lazarus. Grief, sorrow, perhaps confusion. Why didn't you come? Even betrayal, 
I thought we were friends. God enters into these messy emotions, blessing them as a place of encounter with his healing and love. This is the mystery of suffering, that it can often be the best place to encounter God. Where are the wounds and fractures in yourself, in your world? As part of the incarnation, how are you at work bringing healing and wholeness? As part of God's activity of loving the world, Christ places his heart within our own. That makes each of us a continuation of the work of incarnation to bring and expose, express, and reveal God's life, light, and love throughout creation. That makes each of us another Christ. For Christ has no hands now, no voice now, but ours. Who today are most in need of hearing Christ's voice and experiencing his loving presence? If not through you and me, then who? If not today, when? How can you and I and others carry the incarnation forward into our world? Back to Francis's live nativity scene. St. Bonaventure writes that after this event, people gathered up all the hay that was used. Soon, miracles were happening throughout the region Sick and diseased animals who ate the hay were cured. God's magnificent power glorified by this simple blessed hay. Our guest today is Sabina Marroquin. Sabina was an inaugural member of the Franciscan Volunteers with our community. No risk, no gain volunteer program, serving at the Aquinas Center in South Philly. She then went on to work at the Center for Faith and Justice in New Jersey. Sabina also studied theology at the University of Dayton, and you'll find her currently serving as a college campus minister at Duke University in North Carolina. So. Sabina, thank you for being with us today and sharing in our conversation about the Incarnation. My first question is, we see how our understanding of the Incarnation has changed over the centuries. And I was wondering, what was your first understanding of the Incarnation when you were a child? Yes, um, Sister Marian, I don't know if you ever watched the show Joan of Arcadia. It was on TV when I was a kid. Um, my mom, my sister, and I were big fans. Pretty sure we watched every episode together. I won't give any spoilers, um, but essentially it's about this teenage girl named Joan who can talk to God, but God never shows up as this you know, omnipotent, booming voice from the sky. 
God shows up as the people that Joan encounters throughout her everyday life. You know, the bus driver, a kid in the park, a person experiencing homelessness, an emo teenager. You know, Joan is always doing these double takes, one, probably because she's talking to God, but two, because God is always surprising her by showing up in the most unexpected places and people. And as silly as this may sound, I think that's my first and most childlike understanding of the Incarnation. You know, I certainly didn't have the vocabulary to express that at the time, but thinking about how God shows up when we may least expect it, and that Christ is present in all people, you know, for me as a kid to have my imagination be captured and be thinking about those things, you know, that's it's not too shabby for a TV show. Uh, the, the theme song for the show has this lyric that asks, you know, what if God was one of us? And as Catholics, we may be tempted to say, oh, easy, I got this. Jesus is fully God, fully man. And, you know, we can give this answer from our head and quote the catechism or, or scripture. And that's so, so good. But, you know, can we also give an answer from our heart where we quote from our experience of living the faith? And man, there's just like so much goodness to uh, reflect on with the incarnation and so appropriate for this Advent season. So I'm happy to be here having this conversation with you, Sister Mary, and thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. You have captured the core of the mystery of incarnation in a way that all of us can understand. Thank you. You just spoke of Christ. Uh, unexpectedly showing up in that in that uh, show. Has there ever been a particular moment in your life where Christ unexpectedly showed up? And what did that look like? Yeah, so many times. Um, one, one time in particular that uh, stands out to me, uh, in college I spent my summers volunteering with a program called LeaderWorks out in New Jersey. Um, through it, I was able to help lead youth and service experiences based in the Catholic faith. So imagine me, and for context, I'm pretty awkward, with a van full of equally awkward middle schoolers. Um, that day, we were volunteering at a home for people with uh, physical and mental uh, abilities different than my own. So when we arrived there, um, it was during arts and craft time. And you know, everyone had a water bottle and there were markers on the table. And the expectation was for my students to assist the residents in um, completing their water bottle art project. But um, unfortunately, the pet, the pep talk I had given my students in the van, it did not work at all. They were, you know, standing on the edge of the room, just really unsure how to interact with the residents. So I realized in this moment okay, the best way for me to teach them is just by showing them. So I go up and introduce myself to a woman in a wheelchair who seems to have limited uh, dexterity in her hands. So we make some small talk and I ask her, hey, can I, can I help you draw something? Without hesitation, she says, yes, I would like to draw a rose on my water bottle. At this moment, I have a wave of panic rush over me I have drawn exactly zero roses in my entire life up until this point, and I'm not artistic in any sense of the word, but now this woman is, is stuck with me, and I'm convinced that I'm going to ruin her water bottle with my terrible art skills. But still wanting to be a good role model for my students, um, 
I tried to push these doubts aside and I, I knelt down next to her, wrapped my hand around hers and began to guide it and what can only be described as a rough drawing of my attempt at a rose. And uh, the whole time um, her head was slightly tilted upwards and I figured maybe um, she had some sort of physical impediment that prevented her from being able to uh, look down and see what we were drawing. So once we were finally finished, I lifted up our final product to show it to her and I excitedly asked her, you know, what do you think of it? How does it look? And at this moment, she tells me, Sabina, I'm blind. And I just fought back tears and I went on to tell her, you know, this rose probably the finest one I've ever seen. And in that moment, I felt like I experienced Christ so profoundly. And my eyes were open to how important it is to, to be present to people, to be good to people. And that whole time I was just so caught up in, you know, creating this final product and trying to make this perfect rose and trying to be a good role model for these kids that I had lost sight of the person right in front of me. And, I had lost sight of the beauty that comes from cultivating relationships. You know, I had, I had lost sight of Christ. And for my new friend, she didn't care what the rose looked like. What she cared about was the conversation we had and the time we spent together while we were drawing it. The, the incarnation reminds us that Jesus reveals himself to us each and every day. But unfortunately, I often miss him. You know, I'm looking somewhere else. My focus is on something else. But... You know, maybe for these last few days of the Advent season, you know, that, that can be my prayer. You know, Lord, let the first thing my heart looks for be you. Let me see you in these unexpected places. Um, there's this song that I like, and it, it has a lyric, and it says, Show me every grace I've lost the fight to see. And I find myself praying with that over and over again. Beautifully captured again the mystery that the incarnation comes in hidden ways that we don't often see and, and yet your eyes were opened and it's a beautiful reminder to us also thank you for your sharing sabina i have one more question if that's okay um what do you do to keep the incarnation in focus throughout your life mm. i um i'm a creature of habit and uh, my prayer after receiving the Eucharist is always, um, help me remain in you as you remain in me, and let me know how much you love me so that I can share that love with others. So, you know, I've, I've just received the Eucharist, and I'm really feeling, you know, Christ is in me, but I also am in Christ, and, and so are you, and so is everyone else. Um, but it's not enough for me to simply know this, right? I, I have to act like it. And as I go throughout my day and my week, you know, do, do my actions reflect that? Does my heart reflect that? Uh, you had a really beautiful explanation earlier about how the incarnation emphasizes, you know, this intimacy between God and humanity and, and all of creation. So uh, from that, I found myself inspired, like a, a way to, you know, continue to reflect on the incarnation is, um, you know, reflecting on how it invites us into this creative action of asking ourselves, you know, where is Christ present in my life? Thank you so, so much for those very insightful and, and 
I'm sure very touching experiences that you've had and for sharing that with us. You have made something that is beyond us, the mystery of the incarnation, so very present in, in your life, which invites us deeper to experience that incarnation in our own life. Sabina, thank you so, so much. Thanks, Sister Miriam. It's a joy to be with you. Always good to speak with you. Good to see you too. Take care. Thank you for spending this time exploring God's greatest gift, the Incarnation. We wish you a blessed Christmas and a prosperous and safe New Year. Join us next time in mid-February for the first of a two-part segment when we consider our human nature and the role of sexuality in our lives. In the meantime, peace and all good. And remember, the future looks bright if we bring the light.